<laughs> don't have to tell me, bro. I love those gyms. Yeah, man. So fun. Yeah, it was nice to see Will too, man. You Just know, I, mean, I, I was thinking about was it. Good. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about it today. Yeah, playing music is great and fun, but the hang is like what I crave. I'm finding absolutely, you know, yeah. and and seeing Will and. Just having cats come out and and hanging again, it's like I can't believe we went an entire year without that. I know, it's just a travesty. <clears throat> yeah, it's so good to see everybody and and just like a, a moment of of levity and community. Mm -hmm. You know that that just f totally fills up my cup. And then, um, you know, I don't know. I I as as the whatever quote unquote host, I I. I'm trying to be hypersensitive that everybody gets up there. Right, right, saying? right. Yeah. If you're a musician and you roll through, you're going to make some noise at some point, you know, so. Even if you can't play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I tell people, you know, it's not an open mic, y'all. This, yeah. this isn't the time to like. It's uh, not an open wound. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, it's an, I try to say it's an industry night. If, if yeah. you know, it, don't bring the first song you ever wrote to the table because I just don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. You know, you have to have some uh, some miles under your uh, under your tires <laughs> before. <laughs> but another I, thing, agreed. <laughs> but another thing I think is super cool is that you know you and LG and Todd are just super easygoing and 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 make everybody feel comfortable and generous with your time and your gear. You know, and and I just you know I think it's a valuable. Um, aspect to the community to be able to come together and share and hang and just uh, just fuck around. Yeah, you know? well, you know, it, it helps that the the people that came and sat in, you know, I mean, are are really good players. You know, I yeah. Mean, so it's right. another thing when you don't know cats and right. and they might not be so um, nice to your instrument. Right, <laughs> right. No, that's not. I mean, you know? yeah, I. I, I thought about that today too. It's just you know I feel like Todd <laughs> Todd rolls up, sets up his drums, does one set and <laughs> never returns. You want to get some tacos? It's Tuesday. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, I get that. Well, Mario Mendeville, cheers, brother. Cheers. Good to see you. Good to be seen. Thank you for uh, taking time out of a very busy uh, week uh, day. You just told me that you get up at four thirty in the morning, and I and I can't even imagine <laughs> functioning. I'm just ba just barely holding on at four thirty. I'm oh. a bit blurry, <laughs> but I, I I take my uh, my scoop of peanut butter oh, and, I, and I make some coffee. Yeah, and then I, I that's your that's your morning process. Yeah, it's it's like a routine. Yeah, yeah. Just so. a scoop of peanut butter. Yep. No English muffin or no. anything. Just just the peanut butter, which I love. Yeah. You know? And yeah. then it's just enough to sustain me, you know, yeah. to get me my brain going a little bit. You right. Know? And then the coffee, you know. One cup. I can't do too many of those. Is that right? Yeah. You're a one cup guy. Yeah. Man, I can drink coffee until the nighttime. Yeah. And I can't. I mean I don't <laughs> <laughs> I mean I don't sleep, but <laughs> right. for two days. There's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And are you responsible for cooking breakfast in the morning? Or what does that look like? Uh, no. Usually, because um, we might be doing a fast or something like that. Is that right? Know? So The whole house does a fast? No, oh. but but my wife, Jody, gets yeah. up, and when my son goes to school, she makes breakfast, breakfast yeah. for him. You know? Yeah, yeah. And she spoils him. You know, She'll make him 
Kobe beef hamburgers. No <laughs> kidding. You know, and the egg, you know, and, oh, that's and awesome. rides his bike, you know, and I watch. <laughs> you know. You're over there with a <laughs> scoop of peanut butter. Yeah, you got peanut hey, man. <laughs> what the? How do I get on the list? <laughs> Put me on the list. Yeah, my daughter's still asleep because she's in college, right? Okay, so, sure. Yeah, so she doesn't start till she later. She needs 14 hours of sleep right, every night. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's doing good, though. He's riding his bike to school, which is awesome. Nice. You know, because during this whole time, you know, I mean, school-aged children have just been locked down so much on yeah. and they're you know on the internet you know video games and then zoom classes and all mm-hmm. that stuff so <clears throat> it was hard to watch him just be like in a cage basically yeah. you know what, i mean what, what grade is he in he's a freshman in high school wow you know you know and those are the most former prom- yeah. former prof- prominent years of your right. youth and, and and all that kind of stuff and so when he they said they're going to open up, he was like, oh, he goes, I want a bike, you know. And, he, and so cool. bought him a brand new bike for his birthday. It's a nice bike, you know, nice. and it's a nice ride. You know, it's like two miles there. Perfect. You know, you know, so. Yeah. And he loves doing it, you know. Cool. So. Yeah. And he's moving. Right. You know, I mean, because, <laughs> you know, exercise. getting some exercise, yeah. you know, that's important. man. Yeah, you know, for so, sure. So. I'm, I totally, I need to get out on that hike at least once a week. I mean, and even that, that's just embarrassing to admit but yeah i i need that i need that clarity i need to sweat out the demons get some sun um yeah it's just so important and and you i don't know about you but i i got into this routine last year it was just kind of like living in this this house and and not really i don't know i i i'm i'm bad with downtime mm-hmm. i'm better when i'm busy yeah you know and i can schedule it in and, and that's an important thing but i don't know something about last year just Every put the brakes on like everything. Yeah. Um. Now I know you've uh you've probably told these stories uh, many times before, but uh I had a couple questions for you. Okay. Um, and hit me with some of your earliest musical memories, like what records were spinning at the house. Um, and then the moment where you kind of had this epiphany where you're like, that's what I want to do, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, <clears throat> you grew up here. Yes, I'm born and raised here, Phoenix, Arizona. Nice. Yeah. I mean, no, we don't have many. F- I mean, I don't have many friends who are born and raised here. So, mm-hmm. and I'm also dying. This is the third question. If we don't remember. die, <laughs> <laughs> the third question. I'm just so curious uh, because you've seen this music industry and the music scene change. I'm sure so drastically mm-hmm. in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I'm just dying for those early, um, er- early memories of playing music here, and where were you playing, and and what were the gigs, and and that sort of thing. So, first one was uh, early musical memory. So that you know, um, growing up in the house and being Hispanic, you know, I heard a lot of Mexican music and stuff. My dad would cook breakfast every morning, you know, so he had that going. But he loved um, big band music. Mm. So I grew up listening to Glenn Miller, mm-hmm. uh, Benny Goodman, um, Gene Krupa. I used to watch all those old movies that had those musicians in them. You know, um, that was always fascinating for me. And um, you know, I got really hooked on uh, Benny Goodman. Um, it was uh, Sing, Sing, Sing. Mm. Uh, it was live at Carnegie Hall. Cool. And there's something special about that recording because, um, and then later I found out, I was listening to uh, Mary McPartland's Piano Jazz, which was on a, um, 
the jazz station here. It was uh, on Sunday all the time, and she had uh, the piano player that was on that session, wow. and his name was Jess Stacy. And uh, so when you listen to the recording... I, that's an unfortunate name for a dude. <laughs> Jess Stacy. <laughs> but... <laughs> Stacy with an eye and a heart on top. Yeah, <laughs> like okay, BFF. Yeah, yeah. but uh, he tells a story about when they did the actual recording. Recording, you can hear it because um, there's the the part where you know there's the the beginning and then there's Benny's solo and then it goes into um, uh, this this low section where they're going to go into the drum solo. You know, and they've always practiced it like that. But the piano player, he was feeling the groove so much that, um, and he was upstairs having a little taste before the gig. Okay, you know? as you do. <laughs> yeah. As you do. And so he Can't was... Can't fault him for that. He was so moved by that that uh, he actually uh, started playing a solo where he wasn't supposed to okay. at Carnegie Hall. Oh, my God. So you can hear Benny in the background. You know, he, he starts with, with a little phrase, and Benny goes, oh, yeah. And he plays this amazing piano solo, you wow. know. And, and then it goes down. So that, that recording was magical. I used to listen to that over and over and over again. Okay. You know? And then my sister uh, was a cheerleader uh, at uh, St. Mary's High School. And, um, you know, they would have to learn these dances, you know. And so it was always to whatever the contemporary music was of the time. You yeah. Know? And back then, the radio, like, like you know, from uh, Laurel Canyon stuff, the radio was really diverse. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you could be a country tune and then like an R&B tune and right. then, you know, some instrumental tune, you know. Right. There, I remember there was a song called The Horse and that, and, and that it was like, da -da -da -da. it was like one of those <laughs> tunes, you know. And so I, I, I kind of got attracted to that because a lot of times I couldn't understand the lyrics. You know? Okay, yeah, yeah. So I would gravitate towards the music, mm -hmm. right? So... Um, so she kind of, she did influence me with Is that. Is she's an older sister? Yes, I have uh, two older sisters and an older brother, and okay. she's the second one down. And you're the youngin'. Yeah. Yeah. Baby. Yeah, you're the baby. Me too. Yeah. 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 See? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the spoiled ones. <laughs> <laughs> Mama's boys. Yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, you know, and then when she um, played Earth, Wind, and Fire, that's when I really got, like, what's that right you know yes and, and that's what high school for her yeah high school and i was i was like uh 10 or 11 mm -hmm. you know and so i remember just uh you know I, we didn't have headphones but we had uh, a stereo and so i would take those big speakers and i would put them so they were facing my ears yeah. and i would just be right in the middle of yeah. them and just listen to it was on the Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, Gratitude album. It's okay. a live album, nice. uh, it, and the song was called New World Symphony. And in that song, it, it really is like a symphony because an instrumental symphony where uh, it has this you know beginning, almost like the Rite of Spring, you know, uh -huh. and but in an R and B way, you know. And everybody uh, eventually takes a solo, and then Verdine, the bass, Verdine yeah. White, yeah. he takes a bass solo, which is. Still incredible to this day what he's doing on right. that, you know. Huh. But it was very, uh, the solos were all thematic, you know, and, okay. and, and they developed, you know. They weren't just playing stuff. It, they built and built and built and built and wow. built. So that got me, like, inter interested in instrumental music, okay. you know. And then I just um, uh, started following that path more. And then I was also growing up with, in a neighborhood with funk and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff, you know. So we're listening to 
like um, like Zap and Aurora and uh, just all these different uh, funk bands at the time, you know. So if they were in, um, so I I already had been introduced to the bass, so now that was my focus, right. right? You know, so I would listen to songs that were bass intensive, and there were and and funk songs right. like that. I was just gonna say yeah. that if you don't have a bass, you don't have a funk song, right? So, but um, so anyway, um. So I just, I, 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 I should digress a little bit. It was, uh, we were, it was my mom's birthday, and I was thir- 13, I think, yeah. And uh, there was a band playing at the restaurant, and I didn't even know how I knew that the guy was playing a bass, but I told my brother, I said, I'm going to be a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he looked at me like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bass and, and he's like okay whatever you know <laughs> pass the chips <laughs> right right quit <laughs> bogart and all the salsa <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. i'm gonna pull my car downtown and watch it down the line i'm gonna let it all right tonight but leave my money down but you can't see that you know me well And what's the age difference between you and your brother? 15 months older. He's 15 months older than me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, and, you know. That's uh, always an interesting dynamic, too, though, right? It can be oh, yeah. very contentious. You're, it's almost like, I mean, I don't know. My, my uh, I, have a, I have a six-year-older brother and a 10-year-older brother. Um, and at some point in my life, it, it almost felt like I was an only child because they were off at college or whatever. But having that experience as the youngest of you know of two young men basically mm-hmm. you know um was an interesting experience so i feel like i got the i got i got the best of both worlds in a way i got brought up with two older brothers who were not scared to kick the shit out of you right right and uh keep you in, in line but then also kind of having the house to myself mm-hmm. and by the time i come along there were no real rules like right. ground you can't, i was never <laughs> grounded yeah, or whatever yeah. you know but anyway um, I'm always envious of siblings close in age because you're almost like a gang. You know? Yeah, you're like a duo, yeah. and I'm always curious of that 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 sibling relationship. And and um, um, for me, because they were so much older, um, they brought a a whole new bit of music into the house, mm-hmm. right? Um, but tell your story. Sorry. I was really hell bent on playing the bass, and of course, I didn't have one. Right. <laughs> and, but my brother, you know, he's a beautiful soul, right? And um, I remember he started working. Uh, he was 15. He was working at a, a local restaurant. It was kind of high end back in the day. It was called John Green Gables, that was on 24th Street in Camelback. And with his first check, he bought me a bass. That's incredible. With, uh, with um, it was I think it was eighty bucks or something like that. Wow. You know, and like a was, pawn shop bass. Yeah, yeah. And it was a black and white. It was a Contessa. It looked like a Fender Jazz. Yeah. And and it played really well. You know. Do you and still have it? No. And it got stolen oh. when I went to high school. Oh. Fuck and uh, but um, anyway, but you know, so I just used to, you know, once again just. With all those songs, I would sit and just try to figure out all this stuff because I'm self-taught, right? Did oh whoa, holy shit! Um, did you even know how to tune it? I mean, no. So do you, the intervals or anything? I mean, how? Well, I, I I took a little piano, which I I wasn't into piano, but my mom <laughs> kind of made us all 
at some point same, try same. to try to play the piano yeah. and 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 I kind of cut my nose off to spite my face. I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to learn how to play. I want to play the guitar. I want to, you know. Yeah. And um, so I, I figured out, I don't know how I figured out what, what the E, the low E was, mm-hmm. so at the piano I could I see. E and then, you know. You could pluck it out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I would just sit in my room just playing these records over and over again, just trying to figure out, like, oh what God. the hell were they doing, you know? <laughs> And it was, it was, you know, and, and one of my strong and uh, weak uh, traits is being stubborn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Blessing <laughs> you know, and a curse. Uh, yeah. Sure. Blessing <laughs> and a curse. So, and, and, and when learning, trying to learn something, it's, it can be a blessing, right? right. You know? Um, so I just, I just, for hours and hours and hours. And this hours. is high school. Yeah. Now I, yeah, it was eighth grade. I'm going mm-hmm. into um, freshman year. But I got my bass when I was in eighth grade. So, yeah. but I didn't have an amp. That was my actual my graduation present was from high school. Went from from grade school. Okay, because you know, yeah, yeah. I went to a Catholic school. We went yeah. first through eighth grade. You mm-hmm. know, we didn't. I didn't go to middle school or anything like that. Right. So when I graduated, my mom and dad bought me a, a Fender TNT bass amp. You know, so nice. um, so then I was jamming. You know, right, right. And then I went to high school, and I used to take that amp on the bus, dude. Shit. Yeah, I w- every day, man. I would had wheels on it. I would roll it home, you know, and roll it. <laughs> it was insane, man. Now, you know? <laughs> did you did um uh, when you hit high school? Were there like bands that you could be in? Were there were there like garage bands or was it uh, there was there a concert band? There was the 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 high school jazz band. Mm-hmm. And when I got uh, the reason I went to that high school was because the music director. Um, I don't think I'll say his name, <laughs> but I went there just specifically to to study with him. Oh, cool! But so we went. You know, they have like a I called it eighth grade day, where you go and visit the high school you're gonna go to mm-hmm. uh, before mm-hmm. you go there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I we went there, and I went there, and I saw him, and I said, "Hey, man, I'm really looking forward to coming here and studying with you." He goes, We're, you're out of luck because this is my last year. No kidding. Yeah, so I was like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the heads up, thanks, bro. Thanks, man. Yeah. You know. Um, Could have used an email. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, when I got there, that school was kind of prestigious for, like, um, basketball and music. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, Lewis Nash, uh, who's a very famous drummer that came out of this city, there's the venue that's named after him, yeah. Nash. Yeah. He went there. Oh, you know? wow. And um, one of my favorite bass players in town, his name's Roger Dreyer, he was the very first bass player I saw there. Hmm. And to this day, he's, he never lets me down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just so solid and mm-hmm. funky, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, Are and you buddies with him? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. Lo- I love that cat, man, yeah. you know. And, um, and, and there were some other uh, bass players there that uh, inspired me. You know, uh, but I never sat down and played with them you know roger it was his last year there so he was just playing in uh on that eighth grade day he was he was playing in the courtyard there and um with michael nash lewis nash's uh little brother who was playing drums who's also a bass player Hmm. and i remember watching those guys switch off on bass and i was just like i guess everybody can do it You know, yeah. here I'm struggling. <laughs> you know, Mario rolls his bass amp over. <laughs> hey guys, I got this next one. Okay, let me add it. Yeah. So you know, 
So, you know, I, I, I worked really hard in high school, you know, um, and my the teacher, that uh, his name was Tom Batista, and he was really nice to me. And there was another uh, teacher, his name was Mr. Hutloff, Gene Hutloff, and he was an upright player. Cool. And so those guys kind of guided me a lot, you mm-hmm. know, and... Um, and what was cool was that we would do these uh, these jazz fest uh, high school jazz festivals. You know, mm-hmm. we'd go up to NAU, and it was a competition. Yep. You know. Yep. And so we went up um, all four years. You know, and my last year there, um, they'd have guest clinicians. You know, like famous jazz musicians sure. that would do the concert, and they would also judge and critique um, the combos and the and the big bands. And so um, my fresh last year, senior year, um, Brian Bromberg was there, <coughs> and um, I remember just being like, "Oh my God, right? Next wow, level. yeah, you know, he's doing all that on upright, like nobody's business, you know." Yeah. And so you know, it, so I, while we were there, he was leading the bass uh, combo, you know, mm-hmm. and so he took a liking to me. And then he told me, he said, you know, after the camp was done, he said, <clears throat> he goes, I'm going to call you. And I said, really? <laughs> he goes, yeah, give me your number. And I said, okay, you know. <laughs> and so uh, I was like, oh, whatever, you know. And so then, you know, time goes by, like six months goes by, and I'm, now I'm in, in uh, college. I'm going to um, Mesa Community College studying with Grant Wolf over there. And I get a call from Brian saying, hey, man, I want you to be in my band. And I go, what? You know, <laughs> he goes, yeah, because that's when he was very first getting into the piccolo bass thing, you know, okay. which is more like a lead guitar thing, mm-hmm. you know. And so he goes, yeah, I need, because I, I at first I was like, well, you're a bass player. Yeah, what, what, are you do, do? what do you do? <laughs> what do you want me in there? And then he explained it to me, and I, he, and and he was in Tucson, you know. And I was like, he goes, you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, man, <laughs> of course, you yeah. know. So um, it took a little time, and. Um, I started uh, driving down Tucson. He would put me up at the at the, the, the hotel there, and it was a nice hotel, you know. And we were playing downstairs in the in the Club Congress. No, it was the DoubleTree. Oh, uh, DoubleTree, and and so they it used to be a jazz club. Because hmm. when I was coming up here, this kind of one of your other questions. Mm-hmm. Um, all the hotels here, the music was six nights a week. Wow. So. And it was good pay. I mean, and your contracts, the contracts were, <sighs> one band was there for 11 years. Oh you know, God. I mean, they had. They S- six nights a week? 11 years? Six nights a week. Holy. They had, they had time cards. No kidding. Robin and the Rocky Roads. That was the name of the band. They were at Mountain Shadows, the old Mountain Shadows. Okay, yeah. But we'd go to um, <clears throat> the Scottsdale Hilton, and um, we'd be there for 11 months, you know. Wow. Or, or Lowe's. Lowe's, we'd be there for 10 months or a year. Through the summer? Or well, would it be whole, like... Yeah, the whole year. Wow. Just, you know, wow. All, so there was about five of those places, and that was, and there was just bands on rotations, but they were locked in mm. for, for months. All jazz or... No, no, this is top 40. This is okay. cover music. You okay. Know? And what, 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 what year are we... Where are we? Mm, we would be like, um, I'd say like 84, 85. Wow. You know? Cool. Maybe 88 around there, you know, because we played for a while, you know, doing that stuff, you know. But and so I was playing in, in the cover band uh, doing that. And then I got that call with Bromberg. And so then I was doing that. But the band I was playing in where they were understanding and we weren't that busy at that time anyway. So 
and I was still going to school, you oh know, so I was driving back and forth to ASU. Uh, now I'm at ASU after MCC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, doing that, play, I played with Brian for almost two years. Wow, you know? cool. And I got some tremendous opportunities when I played with him because um, uh, he was debuting his uh, first album as a piccolo player. Mm-hmm. And so he had uh, Alex Acuna on there from Weather Report, you know. Wow. Um, Joe Farrell on sax, who played with, you know, who took over John Coltrane's place and played <laughs> with Chick Corea, you know. And then Kay Akagi, who was a piano player, who played with Alan Holdsworth, Al Demiola, and Miles wow. Davis. Wow. You know, wow. so these are the guys. And I, I'm, I, this is who You're I'm playing in with. college. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and. Living the fucking dream. Yeah, I mean, it, it was phenomenal. That must have felt incredible. The funny part was um, seeing, um, well, there's a couple things, you know. Um, well, I'll never forget when they very first came in to do that concert, um, Joe, he was, unfortunately, they, he was sick. He, it, this is towards the end of his life, really. Um, and so he was kind of run down. And uh, Kay Akagi and Alex Cunha, they show up to the rehearsal, and... Brian had this tune called Oriental Hoedown, and it, it was just, it, the tempo was about 150, B, 150 BPM. Oh, my God. And it was all 16th note unison line, you know, wow. just like insane, you know. Those guys show up off the plane. They go to the rehearsal hall. I'm there, you know, because we already rehearsed our portion of the show. And um, I was going to get to play with them, so I, I had to stay, you know. Right. And, you know. But I watched him hand that music out to those guys that just walked in. And they like, just ran it down. And, and he, he goes, one, two, three, four. And they start playing. And to watch those guys sight read that stuff at that tempo cold oh. was mind-boggling. Oh, my God. And I'll never forget watching Kei Akagi go, <clears throat> this, this line, just, and he's like, ah, he's screaming, and he, he nails it, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, Joe Farrell was like, they got, they nailed the tune. Oh and, and then Joe Farrell goes, Jesus, Brian, we just got off the plane, man. <laughs> Give us a break. <laughs> Throw us a softball. <laughs> Golly. You know, so I'm watching, witnessing this, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, my eyes are wide open, you sure. know, and that kind of thing, you know. And then ironically, so then we did that concert, and then I was still playing with Brian, um, you know, for time. And then um, he had Kei Akagi come back in months later. And... <laughs> He, they didn't have a budget, a big, he didn't have a big budget, so Kay and I were rooming together. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, and Kay was pissed at first. He goes, oh, I'll do it. He goes, he's, he's cool, you know. I mean, so, you know, for a week we were rooming together, you know. And, and that week was it, was, it was incredible because that was also the week that the Challenger blew up. Oh, man, I remember that. You know. And, I do remember that. Yeah, and... And so uh, it was just on a loop on CNN, yeah. you know, and, and Kay is so frenetic, you know, his brain, he thinks so fast, it, it's hard for him. So we'd do the gig and all night he'd be, we'd be up, you know, because you know, he'd just be watching it, wow, you know, just over and over again. And then he'd be on the phone with like Alan Holdsworth, you know, because he's got a gig coming up with him. And he'd be like, you'd hear, shut the fuck up, oh, get out of here, man. God damn it, you're a fucking genius. And and then he get off the phone. He goes, that Alan. He goes, I go, what, man? He goes, he's so like self-deprecating. He's, he apologizes because he can't read music and 
and all this kind of stuff. He keeps apologizing. He goes, the guy's a fucking genius. You know, he goes, I can't stand and listen to him just say, oh, man, I'm sorry, I can't read. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, Crazy. so it, it was just like, well, he's on the phone with Alan Holsworth, who I grew up listening to him, too. Right. I, saw, I saw him many times in who, life. What, what, what was he? What, I, don't, I don't know him. Alan Holdsworth, um, he was a fusion guitar player of the, uh, in that time. Uh, what was unique about him, uh, it's like progressive rock, jazz, mm -hmm. but he created his own scales. Okay. Uh, he's he's like he's like on another level, and so his lines were just like insane, you know. Wow. <clears throat> a lot of odd meter stuff, you mm -hmm. know. And so whenever I saw him in concert, it was, um, you know, with Jeff Berlin, who at the time was just, mm -hmm. he's just like no one played bass like that. And mm -hmm. Chad Wackerman, you know, played with Al or um. Tell me uh, that Chad Wackerman is a drummer. <laughs> he is a drummer. Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, and that you know he played with Frank Zappa, you know. I mean, so these are like heavy, the, heavy, the heavy, heavy guys, yeah. you know. And so I saw him many times, you know, because I was in a little another group that we would try to play, you know, right. all that Holdsworth stuff, you know. Okay, and, uh, okay. Um, but uh, so anyway, uh, you know, being able to be around Kay, you know, and I remember asking him, "Do you think I would make it in L.A.?" He goes, "You'd work." <laughs> I'm sure some nice hotel <laughs> lobby would yeah. have you. <laughs> exactly. You ramped up in a kitchen chair. Did you ever consider LA? Oh, yeah. When you were at ASU or after? Oh, yeah. No, at ASU. Did you get out there during that time and like scope the scene? And, it was and the first time I was, ever, I was ever on an airplane. To go out to LA? Yeah. And my friend at the time that in the top 40 band we were in, or cover band, that's what they call them now. Right, right. Um, we flew over there because uh, his brother was a recording engineer there. And so, you know, and he, his brother was doing very well in the, in the scene. So, you know, I, I witnessed, um, you know, recording sessions with Fred White, who did, um, like, produce, like, Treat Her Like a Lady and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And seeing Dean Gant, who's an amazing um, keyboard player, um, uh, you know, he, he was very inspirational to me as a, as a keyboard player, uh, producer, he play like all the bass. I remember him playing teen town on his left hand, just warming up like, mm. and just killing it like nothing. Mm. And then watching them, watching those guys track a session, mm -hmm. you know, it was mm -hmm. just, it was heavy, you mm -hmm. know? And, uh, my friend's brother was really good friends with a guy named Dave Legault. Um, who, I mean, he produced, uh, he, I mean, he recorded uh, Quincy Jones. I worked with Quincy Jones and Stevie wow. Wonder, just all these people, you know. So to see those guys, yeah. you know, it's kind of heavy, man. No way, know? man. I, mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah, you know, and um, um, so, but that was my first time going to L.A., you know. And um, But then, you know, I, I always wanted to move to New York. That was mm -hmm. my thing, mm -hmm. you know, because, um, you know, I, always, I was just attracted to that, you know. Mm -hmm. And being from here... I'd never really been anywhere, you know. Right. I mean, in LA was it, but I always, always had my sights set New on New York. York has you know? this thing, yeah. man. And I was, I was the same way growing up in Massachusetts. I think my brother asked me. Um, no, maybe I asked my brother, uh, my middle brother, who, who uh, studied uh, jazz guitar at at U Miami for for a number of years, and was definitely a big inspiration for me as a guitar player and singer. He nailed. You, he would just crush that James Taylor shit, mm -hmm. and I, and I, you know. Anyway, it was like, hold on, I, I want to. I think I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I asked him. I said, "Well, you know, 
are you are you going to move to Boston? Because Boston was the logical thing. It's whatever, an hour and a half away. He's like, nah, man, it's not in Boston. It's mm. in New York. And I was like, oh, maybe I want to go to New York too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. something about that city, man, just uh, just completely energizes me. Um, there's just this vibrancy. And mm-hmm. obviously all the great clubs and, and musicians, but there's just something about that city that, that it, for me personally is is – more attractive than Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, not to get sidetracked, but... That's uh, this whole uh, podcast. Uh, yeah. is, <laughs> is sidetrack after sidetrack, yeah. digression, <laughs> rabbit hole, and we'll, you know, we'll wake up in an hour yeah. and a half and have discussed nothing. <laughs> but, okay, I, I will go back to what we were talking about, you know. Keep but, us on track, yeah. Mario. I'm not going to go uh, do it. Because I'd go on the whole New York thing, you know. But... um. But so anyway, that was my first time in L.A., and then I was still going to ASU and still playing with Brian, Brian and still doing the cover band thing. And um, then Brian said, you know, I'm moving to L.A., you know, and so that was pretty much the end of the band at that thing. You know, he, he said I could move there, but I was still in, in, at ASU, and I still kind of wanted to be there because I still wanted to learn th- some stuff. Sure. You know, um, you know um, what, and I'm sorry, you said mid '80s ASU. Yeah. What was? Uh, sorry, another digression, but what was like Mill Avenue like? Oh, it was awesome. Really? Oh yeah, because it was very. It was kind of like Hate <laughs> Ashbury. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. Oh yeah. I mean, hippie like you know. Yeah. I mean, just very um, organic. And and clubs. I mean. Yeah. Was like Nita's Hideaway. Was that that time or was that later? Nita's Hideaway wasn't on Mill. It was. Yeah. Off, okay. Off the strip, you know, but um, Edsel's Attic, that was a, a place. Um, uh, a lot of bands would play. Was um, that Belos? Was that Belos? Belos wasn't there at the time, you know, um, but there was just uh, uh, Long Wongs, you mm-hmm. know, they would, oh, have, sure. they would have uh, music in there. Yeah. Um, but Edsel, Edsel's Attic was the place. That was you the know, joint. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that was jazz or everything? No, it was every. It was more more dance or yeah. or club or reggae or whatever. You okay, know, you know, and um, just a just a party vibe. Yeah. Mill Ave, you know, um, Chewy's was there, and Chewy's yeah. that was the spot, man, because that's where I saw Jocko. Oh no uh, shit! Yeah, I and I, I, man, I saw McCoy Tyner there. I saw wow, um, uh, Alan Holdsworth, uh, um, and then like jazz guys like um, Rufus Reed. But seeing Jocko, you know, that's when I got I met oh, him yeah. and I got to hang out with him for just a little bit, you know, and, wow. and that was like a really, really, really big part of my life. <laughs> I would. I, is he Brazilian? Uh, no, um, he was Italian, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I, I figured that, that Jocko was a big influence. I feel like mm. I can see that connection, you know. Well, you know, thing about Jocko is that he was known for his chops, you know, which. Mm kind of kind of bummed him out you know mm. um because so kind of considered a technician and not what a writer or or someone that's yeah. passionate or, or well what I, it's like that thing where you know he felt like i get the impression that he felt like he always had to like impress people he had to blow you all know, the time or, or whatever like yeah yeah but he was an amazing composer and arranger mm-hmm. you know and when i saw him uh we were Right in the front seats, me and my friends, and um, and you know he was he was he was high on something. I don't know what he was doing right at that point, but he decided he wanted to play the piano, 
And so they had to rearrange every. They had the piano, grand piano, you know, on the side over there. So they had to uncover it and bring it over. And and then and he's like walking around and like and I remember show. This is before the show. Oh, okay. They already had done the sound check and everything. Wow. And then before the show, he decides I want to play the piano, right? So I'll never, for <laughs> never forget. So me and my friends were sitting in the front, and then and then he comes up and he goes, "Hey man, do you guys?" Do you guys mind moving because I'm I'm gonna play piano, and he goes, uh, and I, they're gonna move it over here. So do you, can you guys move? And I said, well, where are we gonna sit? He looks at me and go, you can sit on my amp for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> just get the fuck out of the way. And I was bro. just like, you know, I was I started laughing, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna talk to this dude, yeah. you know, because um, you know. I, I think other people might have been offended, you know, by him like snapping like that. But I was like, there's no way that this dude will ever piss me off right. because the music that he plays is so beautiful. Uh -huh. He's not an asshole. Right. You know, right. I mean, so, so, you know, I moved. And, and so, and I remember when the show started, I remember he sat down and he went, and he went, oh, ah, and he, he sang uh, the beginning to um, John and Mary. And it just, it sent chills like through my spine and yeah. I was like, wow. And he just, he just did a little thing, you know, uh -huh. it wasn't like this big piano thing or thing. He just, he just wanted to go run through these chords and sing a little bit. Then he got up and, and just annihilated, you know, <laughs> I mean, and, 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 and he just, he wanted to play groove cause he, the Kenward Denard was playing um, drums and then he had a trumpet player, and Mike Stern was the guitar player. No kidding. And so he just he just let them go, you know. And then he'd take a solo, but he just wanted to groove. He, he didn't really want to play, a, you know. He, he he ended up doing playing some solos. Sure. He wanted to be a bass player, right? You know. Yeah. That night it was, and it was a thing where, you know, and ironically, <laughs> um, Lionel Richie was in town that night, and so. I'm looking over, and I see this really fine girl, <laughs> and I, I'm like, she's really fine, you know, and um, and she's moving to the music and stuff like that, and I and I go over, <laughs> and I I say I don't know what I said, something no stupid. Shit. Yeah, I said something to her. It was Sheila E. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want. I would. I would pay top dollar. <laughs> to be on the to be a fly on the wall to hear Mario give his best pickup line to Sheila E. Yeah, well, you know, and that's there's yeah, it was hilarious, you know. And was she, she was with, really nice. Was she with Lionel? No, or? she was with Jerry Brown, the drummer. Okay. And I don't know who was playing bass, but it was the bass player, uh, the drummer, and her. Oh and, my god. And they had just played at ASU, you know, okay. in, the, in the concert arena, yeah. you know. Yeah. And but I didn't know. I didn't know who she was. That's I know awesome. she was fine. You know. That is so anyway, so cool. So anyway, watch the whole concert and stuff, and then <laughs> it's over. And then, and then I wanted to talk to Jocko, right? Yeah. And then <clears throat> he's like, he's moving around because everybody kind of, and everybody's staying away from him right. because you know he 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 could be a bit ominous, uh -huh. you know. And 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 so finally he he settles down and he's up in the corner there uh, in Chewy's. They had levels, so you come in uh, the front door, and then to the left, uh, they, it, it, there were stairs that went up, and there was like booths and chairs, mm -hmm. and they had already been shutting the club down, so they flipped the chairs over on the tables, you know, 
So he's sitting in the corner in the dark behind these mm. these chairs, you know, mm. all by himself, and everybody's over here, and he's just mm. like, he doesn't want to deal with anybody, you know. And I'm like, I'm talking to this dude whether he wants to talk yeah. to me or not, you know. Yeah. And so I go over to him and I say, "Hi, my name is Mario Mendeville. You know, I, you are an amazing, you're a big influence on me. You know." Um, and he was so nice. Hmm. He was like, hmm. "Hey, man." He goes, "Yeah." And then <clears throat> we start talking about. He goes, "I said, yeah, I'm going to ASU." And I told him Chuck Moronic was because Chuck knew him from Florida. Oh, cool. And um, and so I was able to uh, just talk to him, and he goes. How old are you? And I go, 19. He goes, uh, he goes, they let you in here? And I was like, yeah. I go, well, I've been playing in clubs since I was 15. He goes, I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> you can't up, you can't one up me, motherfucker. I'm Jocko. <laughs> and he he was just so nice. Yeah. yeah. He was so nice to me. Um, so that was pretty monumental for me. That, but that 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 always um uh the the, the artist um temperament right i was just thinking when you were saying he was in the club i mean maybe they didn't have a green room right so, they did right yeah. so this is what's interesting to me he chose to sit there mm -hmm. he maybe wanted some peace and quiet or whatever but he still wanted to be a part of something right yeah. and maybe i don't know i just i i feel i mean i know what that feels like yeah when, me too when after a show Sometimes you want to just literally go to the green room and decompress or whatever. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you you want to you feel it and you want to go out and talk to people and hug and shake hands and that and some I mean you know just like a normal human has a variety of emotions. Right. It, he was just in an interesting space. I feel like mm -hmm. or I don't know coming down or coming up or wanted attention but didn't really want to put it out there. Didn't you know didn't want to be on or whatever. And that always kind of fascinates me. Yeah, that post gig moment, you know, wh how do you address it or whatever? Well, you know, because you do it. I mean, it, when you're you're in you're performing and you're giving, mm -hmm. I mean, it takes a lot out of yeah. you, man. I mean, like that gig you came and saw that I was doing, and, yes. and, and I, we got done. I was shaking, right? Because I was I was so like in, it was so intense, right. you know, and I was like, you know almost in shock really right. you know so you're coming down off this high you're, yes. you're dealing with a high right. you know, and you're coming down from it you know right. so right you know i know that now <laughs> you know more more so now than i did then right know? i was just i was i was pretty aggressive back then you know and and i whenever there was a, a famous bass player that came to town uh, jimmy haslip from the yellow jackets or jimmy johnson wow. or jeff berlin or i I'd all I'd ask him for a lesson. No shit. I'd go up to them and you know and ask. Did him Jimmy for a Johnson give you a lesson? None of them did. Yeah. But it didn't matter. Right. You know I, I, I you know I, I they talked to me. You yeah. know and stuff like that and they were nice to me. You know but but you know I, I didn't I didn't care I just I figured I'd ask. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean you know so right. um so but yeah so as far as like coming down from those things you know yeah so it was. He was so nice to me, you That's know, awesome. and we talked about things. And I had a really lucid dream about him that night, and it was crazy. And then, you know, he, he passed away, you know, was literally murdered, you know. Um, I don't know that story. Yeah, he was um, um, in a club, and he, he uh, 
he was drunk or or on something and he went through and and he got on stage and he, he played and and sometimes he he would play really loud you know and he would he would blow the bass player's amp you know cuz mm-hmm. he'd crank it up so much you know and so he wanted to play and then um the bouncer didn't really know who he was um and kicked him out and 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 beat the hell out of him oh. beat him to death you know and and he kicked him in the skull you know oh this guy God. had martial he was a martial artist and and he just absolutely beat him to death Oh my God. Yeah, it was horrible. That's tragic. I still have the newspaper clipping of of when that happened. Wow. So, you know. That is insanity. Yeah, but, but, you know, he changed the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, you think about Jocko, and I I read so many articles about him. He goes, yeah, when I moved to New York, man, he goes, there wasn't shit happening there, man. He goes, you know, there was jazz and then, you know, some stuff. But he was really instrumental and... People don't realize how instrumental he was in fusing the world mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. bringing reggae, Latin, rock, funk, jazz all mm-hmm. together, like mm-hmm. fusion. Mm-hmm. He he was huge because he grew up playing in top 40 bands, cover bands, you know? So he grew up playing dance gigs, you know? Mm-hmm. So he knew that world, but then he was playing with Weather Report, you know? And so And he had a global perspective, you know, because he traveled so much, you know? And so he he to him it's he's using everything all his Natural. experiences yeah right you know yeah. and so you know I mean people really don't realize that when you listen to the radio now and you hear all those influences he's one of the people that actually he was the original mashup right you know? right you know right that's so, awesome yeah um, let's take a break um, because I am out of a drink and you're dangerously low <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll be back. People friends I haven't seen him for a year or so Heard him in on some stony goals Where do we leave off? <laughs> Jesus Christ. You can meander. So the name of this podcast is So the Story Goes. Awesome. And uh yeah, it's been it's been a ton of fun, man. Yeah. Just at the very least, it's an opportunity just to sit down, have a taste, and rap, and mm-hmm. and uh, hang. So, appreciate you doing this. Oh, man. It's fun. Um, I have no idea where we left off, but I want to I wanna know if, do you, do you see a silver lining uh, to last year? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. You know. Um, You've been doing this. Since you were a early teenager, yeah. So how does one reconcile that uh, to to last year? I mean, I know how it affected me, and we talked a little bit about that. Um, how did it affect you? And and please tell me that there was a silver lining for you. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um. First of all, as far as music music is concerned, um, I'm. Con- Are we recording again? Yeah, I think <laughs> okay, so. Okay. I hope so. Check one, okay, two. Yeah, okay. check. Is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, lady. Um, uh, as far as music is concerned, I'm constantly inspired. You know, because you you, you hear things like jazz is dead or people don't you know 
the music is dead or some crap like that. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, 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 what people are coming up with now is just incredible. You know, you got the YouTube stuff, which is <clears throat> fun to watch. You know, I mean, like there's that little bass player. His name's Aaron. That guy, man, he is an old, old soul. And I don't know how old he is, like seven or oh, eight God. years old, but he's like playing like an old man. Like, you know, when he's like, he's like, you know, it was over at the NAMM show and there's Richard Bona and Hadrian Frode, you know, and, you know, Marcus Miller. They're, they're all in awe because he can hang with them. Wow. You know, that's insanity. But at the same time, I'm like, what does he have to look more to? <laughs> you know, I that's kind of, I'm still grappling with that. You know, he's yeah. already a genius. You know, yeah. so and he's only eight. You know, so <laughs> you know he's got, uh, he peaked too early. Yeah, bro. yeah. So it's that all I, I, that's that, that's the thing that you know. I'm glad I wasn't that obviously right. because the journey's way too much fun. Right. You know. Right. And um, agreed. And you know. Um, I think as far as like, uh, you know, what's going on right now, um, I don't know how long it's going to go on. You know, we're showing signs of, of, of people trying to gain uh, a comfort level and normalcy and stuff, but you don't know because there are little underlings of like, you know, there's this new virus or whatever, right, you know, right. all that kind of stuff, right. you know, so there it's like the boogeyman's still out there, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. Um Humans uh, are social creatures. Yeah, you know, they need uh, inspiration. You know, and so therefore, music will, I think, always be you know a necessity. You know, because it's an expression of being a human. Really, it's an art. You know, but um, I don't know. Um, I I I have faith that it's going to go in a positive direction. Whatever. Uh, it, it may take some time, you know, to to deal with with the circumstances that we've been dealing with, but uh, at some point we will overcome because oh, what's the point? Right. You know, if you're not, you know, uh, are we just going to live in fear for the rest of our lives? You know, that that's that's not in our nature. You know, I mean, we've we've made it this far. You know, right. I mean, and we will make it. You know, after this. I don't know the time frame, but sure. it's been a it's been interesting because I know I went through an identity crisis. <laughs> yeah, I fucking for sure did. You know, I mean, it's like fuck. I've been playing, like I said, since I was fifteen. You know, always had a gig. Right. You know, I right. just doing and thankful and privileged to do play music. You know, whenever I tell anybody, you know, that I'm a musician. <laughs> Uh, but what's your real gig? <laughs> right. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Nice hobby. Yeah. Anyway, what yeah, do you do? Yeah. how do you support your family, though? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, and that's a funny one because I say, we bought our house because Mama goes, Daddy goes, boom, 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 <laughs> boom. And Mama goes, la, 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 la. That's how we bought our house. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is not wasted on me because that's how I bought this house. And I, I still kind of pinch myself. Yeah. It was because I figured out a way to make my voice do something, and I figured out a way to play an instrument, and that paid for the dwelling that I get to live in and enjoy. Yeah, that is not wasted on me. Yeah, and that that that's always kind of that's always been 
what I wanted. I, I, I didn't have these like uh, delusions of grandeur. I didn't want to be on a, I didn't want to be famous. I just wanted to be a working musician. Mm-hmm. That was it. As a, even as a kid, when I had no idea uh, what making a living was. Right? right, right. But it just, I was like, how cool would it be? That's what you get to concentrate on. Yeah. Just making music, like that was just so attractive to me um, forever and ever. So I, I, I definitely, I, I understand that sentiment. And how many times have you <clears throat> been in a corporate situation where, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're being asked to perform for them and, you know, you're the performer for the event and, and then you, you meet the, the, the big wigs or whatever and, you know, they, you know, they'd give anything to do what you do. Right. You know. Right. I mean, but you can't buy it. Right. You know, you have to earn it. You have to work for it. Right. You, you know, you can learn to become a surgeon. You can learn to become a, a nuclear engineer, like whatever, within a certain time frame. But it takes years to learn how to yes. be to be a musician. Yes. You know, I mean, to be able to like, you know. And do a whole gig, right? You know, and like no repertoire and stuff right. like that. Right. I get a kick out of people saying, you know, when you're doing the gig, oh, you're done now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sweetheart. Yeah, we're going home. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm fucking done. You know, because guess what? I was using my brain. I was using yeah. all the muscles in my entire body. It yeah. takes a lot of work. Yeah. To stand up here and look like I'm doing nothing. Right. You know, and you would be exhausted. I love the I love the comment. Um, do you know uh, Do you know this particular song? No, sorry. How can you not know it? You're a guitar player. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's like, oh my god! Don't you know everything? Yeah, I thought yeah. you. If you know how to play guitar, you must know how to play this fucking super obscure country tune that I love. Oh god! Yeah. I just I, people don't understand it. They don't. So we learned to tune that out. Yeah. And and right. and and we were able to just go on our merry way because we did the gig. We're bounced. We're yeah. bouncing, and you know, and we can work on something else. You know that that, that is uh, that we wanted to work on or whatever. You know, you know, always having something that uh, is nourishing your soul. You know, right. uh, is really important. You know. I, I learned early on that, you know, there's things musically that I do for money and there's things musically that I do for my soul, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that's really important. Mm-hmm. And I always have that. And I, I have no shame in doing the stuff, you know, the whatever, you know, the, the money cheesy stuff, stuff, money, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, because... I love playing music right. and you know I know and I and I try to be in contact with people like you yeah. <laughs> that nourish my soul yeah. you know yeah. I mean you know and play real things right. you know I mean right. um a lot of people don't know how how to find that balance and I right. I, I, I I'm just like you know hey man you you, you got to put this in the compartment you know this is this and I can still have fun doing this right. you know I have a blast playing you know, all the latest crap that's right. out there, you know. Uh, it, it, you know, I mean, because my thing is energy. Right. You know, and so if I'm making people feel like moving, if I'm making them happy, I'm, I'm, I'm being fed by the energy that I'm sure. propelling out there. Right. You know, so. It's a symbiotic thing. Yeah. You're giving energy. You're feeling it back. You, it's fueling you, but it's also fueling them. Right. Well, bro, I've kept you way longer than 
than I told you I would. Um, I love you. I love you too, bro. I love making music with you. I love hanging with you. I lo- I'm so proud to, to call you my friend. And I really appreciate, uh, I know you have a, a thousand things going on. I appreciate you coming by the crib. Oh, and, man. And, uh, I'm honored that you asked me. And I love you too, bro. Yeah. I have so much respect for you. I've said oh, it many times, thanks, man. man. You're the real deal, bro. Thank you, homie. You know, you're the real deal, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Come yeah. on. I'm come putting, on. Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm putting that on my gravestone. Where's the whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> Not far. It's right around the corner. <laughs> love you, man. Thank you for too. doing this. Yeah, man. See you soon. Let's make some more music. 100%. So story goes. So story